Texas Southern and Norfolk State's men's basketball team is going dancing in this year's NCAA tournament, but Norfolk State's head coach is not satisfied. Matter of fact, he feels disrespected by the 16th seed. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. Every day and today's episode is brought to you by Run Your Pool. Look, March Madness is here and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. In Texas Southern is your 2022 men's swag basketball champions. And listen, you might not be throwing a party like I am. I for sure did on Saturday night. But they are your champions because they showcased what has made them special on offense all year. And that is their multitude of weapons. And listen, I say you should throw a party because, look, I'm biased. I know you heard the the intro. Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. I do thank you for going on this journey with me. But this journey is a little bit more special to me because I feel like I won a ring. And for the second year in a row, Texas Southern won the SWAC tournament. This is a school that I I have said it. I I am a football guy. Self-proclaimed, I am a big football guy, right? So I can't wait for the fall to roll back around. But Texas Southern makes me prideful in being a basketball school. In the second half of the SWAC championship, they outscored Alcorn State by over 20 points. And they were able to do that because they have a multitude of offensive weapons at their disposal. But then also, they just were able to win the war of of endurance and attrition. That's how they were able to pull this victory off and I'll tell you both of them I'll start off with their offensive weapons because that's really one thing that has been unique about them all years they don't have a guy who just averages a lot of points matter of fact they don't have a guy that averages double digits at all right John Walker is the highest at 9.9 that rounds to 10 but I mean hey we're proving the point here it's not 10 it technically is not 10 it may round to 10 we may call it 10 But to prove a point, they do not have a guy who averages in double digits. They don't. But what they do have is a multitude of players who can score points. See, while they don't have anybody higher than 9.9, they also have five players or they have three more players who average more than seven points a game. All right. You may sit there and say, okay, well, you have a bunch of guys who are right there in the middle of the pack. But. I think there's pros and cons to it. I'm not going to sit here and just tell you that it's all, you know, great because a con to it could be when you're looking for that one guy who just takes over the game, they don't have it. Okay, that's fine. But what they do have is a a, a team that works as a unit. And the pro is when we had a situation earlier last or late last week where Grambling upset women's basketball and women's basketball, Grambling upset Alabama A&M where Dariana Lewis had all the points. She had 32 points out of the 54 
you won't run into that same situation where nobody knows how to help. Everybody kind of chips in. See, you don't have anybody who averages double digits, but they can all get buckets. They can, right? That's the emphasis is they can get buckets. And they have seven players who at some point in this season have scored over 15, not just talking about over double digits, but have scored 15 or more. So I think that's what I'm saying when I say there's pros and cons. On a nightly basis, no, you're not going to have double digits. But you do have players who on any given night can do it. And let's look at them. So John Walker in their season highs. John Walker has scored 19 points. Jordan Carl Nicholas has scored 16. Bryson Etienne has scored 22, and he's went over the 20 mark multiple times, three times this season, 20, 21, and 22. So if there was anybody who I felt like needed to just go get a bucket or something, that might be the guy you're leaning towards, right? But let's keep going because he doesn't average double digits either. P.J. Henry, he scored 21. Bryson Gresham, uh, 18. A.J. Lawson, 16. And John Jones, 15. So those are seven players who have scored over 15 points at some point in this season. And John Jones, who was at 15, he's done that twice. So when you look at it, I think that, no, there is not a standout guy who is like, you're going to put him up with the best scorers in the conference. Not at all. All right. And if that's what you're looking for, then maybe you're not happy with this offense. But it's also not your offense to run. This offense that has had seven players score over 15 points, but none average double digits. This has led to the third best offense in the swag. So it's effective. It works. If it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. Right. Because we all have our different types of players that we like. We all have our different types of teams that we like. Like I, I in football, I like a run and catch or a catch and run receiver. That's what I like. That might not be your cup of tea. So whatever, right? But this cup of tea, regardless if it's for you or for me, it has worked for TSU. And it worked in this game because not only do they have players who can get buckets, they have players who did get buckets in the SWAT championship game. Because in that game, now we're just talking about going over double digits. Henry, Lawson, Nicholas, Gresham, Walker, they all went up for over double digits. A couple of them went for over 15 points as well. And I think Jordan Carl Nicholas really could have got a lot more points if he didn't have to go sit down with foul trouble. But they were so good without him. They were so effective. And they didn't need to put him back in. He had his fourth. And they didn't need to put him back in to risk getting five. You see him over there celebrating with John Jones uh, or Johnny Jones, Coach Johnny Jones. And he's just celebrating, kind of playing fun. But Coach still trying to keep serious, you know, because it's still game to be played. But after a while, he gave in. They, they throw a little jokes. Look, you can see him laughing. But it was just the energy. And I feel like Nicholas is really one of those energy players for TSU. And that's really one of the best things that I see him provide. He always has a lot of energy on the court. And it's not so much just running for loose balls. Sometimes it's just an attitude. And that's something that I see from them at all times. Now, I do want to bring up one specific play. It was 545 left in the game. Bryson Etienne had to throw up a shot because the shot clock was going down. And it bounced off. And A.J. Lawson was able to grab the rebound and dish it off to John Walker around the defender. And it was that play right there that just showcased, like, they wanted it more at that point. They were not going to be denied. And I feel like that was late in the game, so it wasn't a deciding moment, but I did feel like it was a defining moment in the sense that you could look at that play and it was later. There might have been some deflation, but that showed. They had fresher legs when this was all over. They played earlier in the day, the day before, than Alcorn did, and they just had fresher legs. They did. And the war of attrition, this was a physical game. Nicholas and Yahuza Rasas, their, their jerseys that got ripped. They were wearing... Zero and five when they came in. When they left, they were wearing one and 30. So they were able to 
get their jersey ripped, go into another one, and they were still able, or go into another jersey, but then they were still able to not quit. As the time went on, you you watched them win the battle of physicality. That was shown in the outscoring and points in the paints by over 30, a, such a large margin. You saw it. You saw it in that second half. They really took off. And another team that was able to take off in a similar way in the second half was Norfolk State, the MEAC men's champions. So we're going to look at that and how their offensive explosion in the second half really set them apart and let them comfortably win that championship. But first, I want to tell you about Run Your Pool because, listen, I trust Run Your Pool so much that over here at Locked On, we're running our brackets at Run Your Pool. I got to make sure I put mine in, right? I need to go ahead and join in. Come to runyourpool.com slash locked on. Selection Sunday was yesterday. I'm trying to make sure that I get all of my brackets in. So we'll see how that turns out. But I want to invite you to come on and play with us. I take the challenge. And for those who feel like they're novices, they give you breakdown, they give you details, they give you intel, all of those things. That's why I love it because they don't give you just the basics and not the usual. They are the best. And that's where I want to be. They're giving me information, giving me the ability to have different play modes like Survivor or change my scoring. All of those things aren't things that I get at ESPN or CBS. So come play us at runyourpool.com slash locked on and create a bracket for your friends, your family, your office, and use the promo code Pure Madness for $10 off at checkout. In, an, in the spirit of March Madness, it's here. And I don't remember the last time that I went deep or made some money in it, honestly. It's been way too long. That's why I like Stat Hero, because Stat Hero gives me the opportunity to have single games. Or if I just know a couple of players, I don't know all the players, they give me the opportunity to sit there and say, I'm going to take these five players that you just presented against me, and I'm going to pick my five players. So no more trying to bank on people you don't really know. Only bet on the people you know. That's the smart thing, right? And man, I hate the handicappers. They take the handicappers out of it. This is a great mix of fantasy and, and betting. So I think that when you look at Stat Hero, one of the best opportunities that they give you is the fact that they give you the opportunity to win four times more than all other places. Stat Hero is honestly one of the best places to wager on anything March Madness related. Go one game, one game, one game, not have to worry about a 60-14 bracket. So go to stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for an 100% uh, deposit match. Go to stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. All right, so we'll keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day and make sure you're checking out the locked on bracket breakdown show it starts is right here today march 14th you can catch it here on our youtube channel here at locked on hbcu and then also on the podcast feed you have chris gordy andy Patton, lee sterling giving you everything that you need to break down march madness because it is here and today's word of the day is something i really i really like this word okay it's elucidate i said oh that just sounds good coming off the tongue Right. But it means to make something that is hard to understand, clear and easy to understand. I can't wait to say that one elucidate. I, I just like how that one roll off. But before we get into that, I want to talk about how Norfolk State's second half offensive explosion led to a cruise and easy victory against Coppin State. In the first half, it looked as if, look, Coppin State's Cinderella story was going to end with a glass slipper and a ring. 
But then as the second half went on, they put things together and Norfolk State said, no, I do not think so. And I'm going to tell you how, because in the, in the first half, they truthfully struggled with protecting the ball. And then they also protect, they also struggled with just knocking down shots. But I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say it was all self-inflicted wounds because it wasn't. That would be a flat out lie. In the first offensive possession that they had, they got the tip off in the first offensive possession that they had, Coppin State was able to uh, come away with a steal. So no folks, they got the ball first and then Coppin State came away with a steal. And I think that needs to be pointed out because this was a consistent, you know, detriment to the offense of Norfolk State in the first half specifically. They they ended that half having the ball stolen away from them nine times. That's ridiculous. They had 13 turnovers. That's ridiculous. You cannot play like that. That's not winning basketball. And it, it just kept derailing the offense. It couldn't even get anything going because sometimes Coppin State would just come up and wrestle the ball away. Yes, it goes down as a steal, but it doesn't feel like it should be a steal. Like, that feels like a completely different stat. He just ran up and just yanked the ball, just manhandled the ball away. I said, man, but that was scrappiness. And I feel like that scrappiness was something that they did really well pretty much the whole first half and in spurts in the second half. We'll get into that in a second. But in spurts in the second half, Coppin State was still really scrappy. They were still able to get some things done, a specific spurt, you know, to be honest, it was one specific spurt that we're going to get into, but they were able to do that in the first half. And then you look at it in the first half, Norfolk state had 24 points. They shot nine of 26. So how did they correct that in the second half? Well, first off, they didn't get the ball taken away as much. You know, they had, they still got the ball stolen four times, but compared that to nine, they still had seven turnovers, but you compare that to 13. So when you're looking at your miscues, you basically took them, and cut them right in half through nine uh, nine steals to four, and then also th 13 turnovers to seven. So they were able to cut down and chop down on those mistakes and how you get the offense going. And not only was that happening, you were also knocking down more shots. See, in the first half, what I said, you had 24 points. You shot nine of 26. In the first six minutes of the second half, you had 23 points, and you went seven for nine. So you basically doubled or not doubled, you basically matched your first half total in the second half in only six minutes of play. And then you also did it with 17 less shots. So you're way more efficient. You were able to protect the ball way better. And then also you were able to cut down on all of your mental mistakes. So while Norfolk State was scoring in the second half and they really got themselves going, what was Coppin State doing? Because it takes two, right? You got to understand that the offense is also right there with the defense. They're compatible. If you're not stopping nobody, it does not matter what you're scoring. And if you can't score, a lot of times it really doesn't matter how much you're stopping anybody either. So what was Coppin State doing? Because they were able to hold serve in the first half. See, they were able to hold serve in the first half because their defense was so good. So once Norfolk State was able to start protecting the ball a little bit more, they stopped getting as many steals. Coppin State stopped getting as many steals. Now it's like, well, your offense actually got to score. And they weren't. There's this thing in acting or in, in movies and stuff when you're watching. Oh, I hope I'm getting this right. But I think it's called the suspension of disbelief in, in the sense of you need to act like what you're seeing can actually happen. It's real. It's not. You can't sit there and be like, well, if that dude really jumped off that building, he, he probably just break his ankle. No, you got to act like that dude can really do this. This ain't a movie, though. So there was a point 
in the half. And it's really crazy. It was a gut feeling. Like when I tell you it was a gut feeling, I mean, it was a gut feeling. But there was a point in the second half where Coppin State was on a six to nothing run. And I wrote them off. Probably wasn't the smartest thing. They easily could have came back. But I sat there and I looked. I said, they're not coming back. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they were able to, that specific spurt I was telling you about, that was that right there. It was a, it ended up being an eight nothing run, but at this moment it was six nothing. I remember it. It was I think it was twelve fifteen left. Yeah, it was twelve fifteen because they put up a graphic, and that graphic comes into play in a second. But overall, it was twelve fifteen left. They were in the midst of a six to nothing run. But I said this is not sustainable. This is not sustainable at all because in that run it was a technical foul, got two free throws, made them. It was a steal, uh, bucket, steal, bucket. And then they flashed this up, and it was a graphic that said they're five for 27 on the three. It was a gut feeling, but at that moment, I sat there and I said, there you go. I knew they were shooting a lot of threes, but five for 27? That's less than a fifth of your threes that you're making. So when I saw that, I said, you're not going to continue to get steals the whole game. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to continue to get all these buckets and fast breaks, fast breaks. So even on that eight-nothing run, it was technical foul, steal, 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 and all three of those steals ended up with points just wasn't sustainable anytime that they got into the half court sets it was three points three point three point three point three point but they were missing a lot of them when and here's the thing they were too reliant on it and they were missing it made me look go look back at this that their season and just get the whole season in review nobody took more threes than them nobody made more threes than them but no, only one team made a lesser percentage of their threes. So, yeah, they took a lot. They made a lot, but they just were never efficient with it. So when you're relying on the three now in the biggest game, that trend of not being efficient has reared its ugly head. That's what has happened. And when you're in the, in the last game, yes, you had a great run. When you're in the last game, you're not making threes. You got to find something else, and they weren't. And at that point, they were five for 27. They didn't make another three the rest of the game. That was tw 12 and a half or 12 minutes and 15 seconds left. When they showed that graphic, I told myself, I know this run of getting steals is not sustainable. When you have to get into your, your um, half-court set, what are you going to do? You're probably going to continue to chunk up threes, and that's something that they did continue to do, and they continue to do it poorly. Five of their first six shots were three-pointers. All of them were missed. All of them. They missed their first five three-pointers, and that was five out of their first six shots. Now, their first bucket was a three-pointer, but it took them six tries to get there. Their best offense at a lot of times was coming off of steals. Once you stopped getting that and you had to set up the offense in your half court, it just wasn't going to work. Overall, it was a close game at halftime, but in the second half, it really began to separate because Norfolk State was able to protect the ball. They were able to be more efficient, and being more efficient, that in turn led to Coppin State's offense struggling because they were way too reliant on the three-point shot. That's how they were able to become your 2022 MEAC men's basketball champions. But that coach wasn't satisfied. Norfolk State's coach was not satisfied. Right after the game, he, gan he began to blast the committee, I think because he understood the 16th seed for Norfolk was on the way. But he found that to be extremely disrespectful. Now, before we get into the 64-man bracket, we're talking about Texas Southern versus Corpus, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. On betonline.net, they are currently three-and-a-half-point favorites, your Texas Southern Tigers here, locked on HBCU representative, right? 
they are going to be three and a half point favorites. You can put your money down on them and you put your money down on them and you know exactly where to go. BetOnline.net. They have all of your March Madness needs. They have all of your NBA needs. They have all of your MLB needs because we're back in the building. We have baseball again. They have your NCAA World Series needs. They have anything that you want to wager on, including your favorite Vegas casino games. That's why I consider them the best in the business because they have a multitude of sports and a multitude of interest. Even if you're not into the sports, man, just bet on a little game of blackjack. Do your favorite Vegas casino games. It's something there for every single person. That's why Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wage on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I want to dive into Norfolk State's head coach's comments directly after the game. Robert Jones spoke on being disrespected by the idea of being the 16th seed. There's no need to elucidate on this comment right here because he is breaking it down and he is putting it all in front of our eyes to understand. It was something that I thought was interesting. First off, I think it's important to note this was immediately after the game. This is not in reaction to anything. This is raw emotion and just strictly how he felt. They were not listed as the 16th seed then. But I think his statements, I think it's a mix of disappointment, campaigning, and I also think it's a little bit of acknowledgement. Um, I'll start off with the acknowledgement because after the game, he just yelled, 16th seed, 16th seed. And I think that's kind of acknowledging that he knows. He knows where they're going to line up. He knows that. Once the tournament start, more likely than not, they're going to be a 16 seed. I don't think he likes it. As a matter of fact, I think he's campaigning in the sense of, look at this game. Did you just watch what we just played? How we played in that second half? We're not a 16th seed. We're going to get specific. It's not all he said, but we're going to get more specific into it. But he's campaigning like committee. He knows the committee is watching because they need to know who won the game. And he knows they're probably going to watch directly after the game. This isn't even far after it's not the next day or anything it's right after the game he's a 16c 16c just bringing up the point of look at who we are and then the disappointment of knowing look at all that we have accomplished and that's where the more of the quotes come into play that i think need to be said he said we're 24 and 6 that's a heck of a record and a 16c would be disrespectful right honestly a 15c would be a little disrespectful we should be higher than that i mean it's hard to win 24 games i mean it's hard to do so we should be getting a little bit more respect. And that respect was consistent with him. But he said, look, not only do I feel like that 16th seed is disrespectful and how dare you give that to me, that 15th seed is a little disrespectful too. I should be a 14th seed. And 24 games is difficult to win. Only had six losses, played a good out-of-conference schedule. I can't sit around and lie to you. That is a very difficult thing to do. And they do deserve respect for it. But I think he knows. It's the acknowledgement. It's the, it's the campaigning. At this point, you're still campaigning, saying, look at what we've done. Make sure you're looking at our resume, trying to put it on front street. Now, obviously, now that we're sitting here on Monday morning, we know they're the 16th seed. They're going up against Baylor in the East region. You can catch that in Fort Worth, Texas, right? We understand that they did not make it. But at the same time, at that point, at that moment, that wasn't set in stone 
So you're going to campaign. You're going to say these things. You're going to say, what about my guys? You know, you're going to, it's like the coach who before the draft is saying, look at all the talent that we have. He's campaigning for his squad. And that's exactly what coach Jones was doing right here, but he was putting up good point or putting out good points. Look, we 24 and six, we played a good team. We're champions. We have an automatic bid with the champions. We deserve to be better than the last four. And mind you, I say the last four because the 16th seed is essentially the four worst teams. Um, if you're not on the bubble, so the bubble teams that lose, you're like, you're the 16th team. You're right ahead of them. It's like, that's disrespectful. And I think the last quote really summed it up. I mean, I think we should be better than 15, honestly. I, I think that we're 24 and six, and it's about time that people stop disrespecting the MEAC. And that's what this is all about. People don't respect HBCU basketball a lot of times. I think that the committee, most times you have to do something more extraordinary, be absolutely dominant at all times to get this different. But I think that the committee looks at the SWAC, MEAC, because it's not just a MEAC thing. SWAC and MEAC is schools that is like, the conference isn't full of quality basketball teams. And I think until that stigma is broken, the trend will continue as well. Because if I don't think that the, the conference is quality, then you're not going to reward that team for winning the conference. And I think it's really that simple and it's unfortunate, but I think it's really that simple. I don't even think that it takes much to really dive into and understand, Hey, the NCAA committee does not respect the SWAC or the MEAC. So when you come out of there, depending on how good you were, you might have to do something extraordinary to get higher than a 15 seed. You have to do something really good to get a 15 seed. You just seen them go 24 and six pretty much dominate the conference and they still didn't get a 15 seed. So it's really elusive and it's difficult to get into. But at the end of the day, until that perception is broken, the trend won't be broken either. So we will continue. We'll continue to break it down and see and follow year after year, month after month. And we follow as looking at the journey of these HBCUs who make into the tournament. And then also look at how they're perceived on their journey into the tournament as far as seeding goes. Because it's a process and it's going to be going. We're going to talk about it next year and probably the year after that. So make sure that you're checking us out. We're going to be here for the long haul. You should be too on Locked on HBCU, making this your first listen of the day every day. And for tomorrow, we're going to be diving into the women's champions, including Jackson State, who was absolutely dominant, had a perfect swag record, and they were able to get that elusive 14 seed. They had to do something extraordinary. They had to go 18 and 0. It had never been done in SWAC women's basketball history. And that's how they were able to get that 14th seed. But you got to come back for tomorrow's episode to get even more. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On NFL Draft with former NFL and AFL cornerback Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy giving you everything that you need for the NFL Draft. And in the meantime, in between time, you can find me right there on Twitter. Oh, I'm getting a lot better with pointing at the graphic. I ain't gonna lie. I'm trying, I'm really guessing, but I'm getting a lot better on YouTube. Shout out to my audio listeners too. I got love for you as well. But you can find me on that blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.